eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast, back with our Thursday scouting podcast. Glad you can join us. Um, hopefully you were joining us yesterday uh, to talk about the college football action, coming up, talking about the championship games that just went this past weekend. If you've not heard that, go back and check it out. But we're back, usual scouting podcast crew with Andy, myself, Liam and Rob. Um, here to talk about tight ends this week, guys. So an exciting, exciting week, um, talking about some skill position players. So Rob, back in your wheelhouse, talk about probably one of your favourite guys, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing for this one. Um, yeah, again, looking at um, certain aspects that we look for in tight ends, especially translating to, to fantasy football. So I'll be hitting it from that angle for sure. Um, but yeah, this is a good one. Um, it's quite a tight group, but we will, yeah, we're, we're bound to hit some some stars in this one. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a bit of a reduced program because the tight end group isn't the best group. I think we'd all agree on that one. Uh, so we're just attacking it with four of the main guys we've talked about. We kind of took one each as in our usual format. And then obviously we're going into our sleepers towards the end of the episode as well. But just before we get into that, um, Andy's brought up a really good point, actually, that we've not been doing. And just talking about what we actually look for in each position as we go through. So Andy, since it's your kind of suggestion, why don't you tell us what, what you're looking for in a tight end for yourself? Yeah, so I'm looking for um, something that kind of like a bit different in the fact that I'm looking for like a multi-sport kind of background here. I'm looking for like players that have played uh, basketball at a decent level, um, get up and high point the ball and uh, have some like good good hands and, uh, and you know, athletic up and down the field in, in short bursts really. So that kind of uh, that kind of sums up the, the sort of thing I'm looking for as well. I'm, I'm also kind of, I, I always struggle with uh, tight ends in college in the, in the blocking game. Um, so if you're kind of a dominant blocker already, then you immediately like shoot at my board a bit and uh, and get a bit of uh, traction behind you because I, I do feel, obviously you know Dolphins at the moment got Mike Gazicki in there who's a pass catching uh, tight end and, and very good but still not uh, not a very good blocker at all and, and kind of when you and it's just obvious when there's a pass play coming <laughs> because they put uh, they line him up instead of like Durham Smythe or. Uh, any of the kind of other alternatives on the roster, so that kind of I, I, I like that that you know that ability to to be in there and helping the run game as well, just to kind of not uh, signpost exactly what you're doing on offense. Mm. Well, what about yourself? What you're looking for in these big guys? Uh, yeah, well, I think Andrew wrapped it up nicely. Um, I definitely lean more towards the receiving side, just literally with my fantasy cap on. Um, but from an NFL perspective, I think it's good to be um, an all-rounder. And obviously, you've, you know, we've, I don't know what the other guys have, uh, what you guys are going to be talking about um, with your picks and your your um, sleepers. Some people like to see a, a solid, like Andy's mentioned, a solid blocking tight end um, of which there are a few coming through this year. Um, and, and But yeah, like I said, personally, just as a personal preference, I like to see the receiving guys, um, which is why I'm a little bit excited about the uh, <laughs> the next few minutes. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that's, that's me just because I wear a fantasy cap when I look mm. at these things. Mm. Yeah, and uh, Liam, what about yourself? around the table uh, to add to what uh, the guys have said I always like to look at if I, for every position how they're going to translate into NFL uh, into the NFL and how the NFL is at 
the particular position. So tight ends in the NFL now getting lined up away from line of scrimmage almost as a, an extra receiver if you're a, a tight end who is what would be regarded as more of a pro scheme in college and you're lined up in kind of the different either in the slot away from the line of scrimmage as well as kind of on the shoulder of the tackle then that's a really good sign blocking is huge especially as a run blocker um i've really preferred i've really started to lean towards uh tight ends that are like of a like just a good size and stature i know that um speed is valued at the position but you still got to be it's about challenging the the secondary over the middle, and size is still what gets it done for me, especially deep uh, threat tight ends. Mm, yeah, and for for myself, I think I take a little bit of what I've, all three of you guys have said, really. But I'm leaning more towards Rob Camp in the in the modern NFL. I would say, as much as you want your tight end to block, and that's not you know if someone can't block, then they'll definitely slip down my board. But you're looking for hands, route running, and contested catchability for myself. You're looking for these guys to make these important catches. You know, I'm looking at the tight end that can block, Hunter Henry, who plays for my Chargers. Justin Herbert's been challenging him to catch difficult balls in difficult situations, and I want to see that contested catchability. kind of works in the red zone as well when you work on that condensed space and you're maybe looking for those post-up basketball moves that Andy's talking about where, you know, you can block a guy out with the way that you're positioning your body and take it, and I'm wanting a guy who's got reliable hands as well. Route running, probably the least favorite out of those three attributes, but I'd like to see a guy who can route run. You know, I don't want a guy just running down the seam on nine routes the whole time. I want to be able to do a little bit more, but yeah, the versatility that Liam mentioned as well, you know, being able to line up everywhere um, really, you know, comes into my consideration as well. But this is where fit comes in, isn't it guys? Where you've got two tight ends at the moment, probably two of the top tight ends in the league or two, the two tight ends, completely different players, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. One is an animal with the blocking, one barely does any, you know, and he's a receiver. So it's, it depends where you land and these horses, of course, is. So, yeah, interesting tape and decision to come up when our takes will kind of be dictated by that. And, uh, yeah, if these guys land in the scheme, they can be superstars, can't they? Because it's a position that's very, very useful and kind of undervalued, I would say, as, uh, as in the league and by you know play, uh, sorry people like ourselves who are kind of talking about the sport, looking towards wide receivers and running backs, those guys, those flashy guys, those guys that have scored more fantasy points as well. But I think Travis Kelsey's the second highest in receiving yards at the moment after Stefan Diggs. So, you know, can show you what you can do with a great one. Speaking of great ones, Rob, I think we'll come to you first. I don't think you're able to contain yourself if we make you wait any longer, will we? you got Kyle Pitts. Tell us about him. I have got Kyle Pitts. And I've talked at length about Kyle Pitts this whole season just because he's just literally blown the doors off uh, the position um, in, in, in college football. And hand on my heart, I think that if the the Heisman Trophy actually went to the best skilled player, the best player in college football, pound for pound, the best player, I think Kyle Pitts is definitely in with a shout of probably top three, um, along with probably Devonta Smith, because you know he's just been absolutely insane, and it, and, it, and it shows because the games that he hasn't played in Florida, they've kind of struggled a little bit, including this weekend, um, you know, uh, and and it's. It's telling. Um, he's a big, big part of that offense. Um, 96 yards per game average receiving this season um, with one and a half touchdowns per game. Uh, that is an impact player. There was one game they didn't have any touchdowns. You know, that that's just what, it's just pure impact um, of that game. He didn't have, I haven't got the stats front of me, of that game, he didn't have a touchdown. I think he had 190 yards receiving, something stupid like this. Um 
let's go from the beginning. Uh, Archbishop Wood, Pennsylvania was his high school. He was a four-star recruit. He got offers. Let, just listen to this list that he got offers from. Alabama, Iowa State, Georgia, Wisconsin, Indiana, Oklahoma, Miami. Those were the offers for Carl Pitts coming out of high school. Very, very sought after guy. He was obviously um, a, one of the top recruits in the country as a four star. Uh, he decided to go to Florida. Um, and he's just the upwards trajectory is just carried on going for him. Uh, he played a little bit of uh, defensive end at high school as well. I was watching tape earlier, which was quite funny. Um, he was terrible at defensive end. He was far better at tight end. So I'm glad he went down that route uh, at college. Um, 6'6", 240. Unique, really, because uh, to be that big, usually a tight end at 6'6", you'd be thinking he's like 250, 260 pounds, a big guy. But he's not. He's, he's built like a wide receiver. Um, which is there where he plays to his strengths because he's a creative route runner. Um, he runs routes or, or routes if you're American, um, you know, very creatively. He's got a very, uh, he's a very adept route tree. He, he, I'm going to say route and route, like, because it's just a word that I get so confused with when, when we talk in this sport. Um, a full route tree, like literally can do do any wide receiver route. He, he plays from the slot, obviously more, um, but he, he can play anywhere as a receiver. Um, he's, he's got a demanding presence. The amount of times that Kyle Trask has thrown up a 50-50 ball to Kyle Pitts this year has been insane because Kyle Pitts comes down with it nine times out of 10. Um, that's one of his, uh, you know, and as you just mentioned earlier, contested catch. Kyle Pitts is probably the best in the league at this at the moment, um, you know, because he's just he, defenders can't, uh, six six and two he, he, defenders can't, you know, they can't match him. Um, he's just a phenomenal talent, great hands. Um, like I said, he runs a, a full root tree, which is, is great to see. Um, there aren't many cons, I'll be honest. And I know I'm a bit biased because I'm a massive Kyle Pitts fan, but there isn't that many. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to pick holes, it's going to be in, in pass protection. Uh, the technique needs a bit more work. Um, and I think that will need to be proved at the next level. Um, he lacks speed in cuts. So when he gets the ball, it, he kind of turns like the Titanic at some points. Um, yeah, a little bit slow. And I think that when he gets to the NFL, defenders are going to limit that yard after catch. Um, which is something that again, it naturally he'll be, he'll get better at it in the league. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, the pass protection is is the is the sort of big sort of orange flag. I'm not going to say red flag because he's not bad at it at all. Um, but I think at the next level, I genuinely think he's just going to be played as a slot receiver. Um, like Andy said, uh, with with Mike Gesicki, he's not a very good blocker, but he has success in the passing game. Kyle Pitts is is he's such a good receiver um, that you'd be foolish not to use him in that position. I think we've got a unique kind of situation with him as regards to fantasy football next year, because I think he's going to be someone who can make an impact year one um, because of the role he's going to have in an offense. Um, I couldn't really find a comparison. He's a bit unique in the fact that he's, like I said at the beginning, 6'6", 240. I don't know if anyone else has got a sort of a comparison in the league um, for that sort of size guy at tight end. Um, I scratched my head for a while about this one. I, I, I can't really think of anyone that he's like because, he, like I said, again, he's, he's, a, he's a bit unique. Um, but someone, whoever drafts him is going to have fun with him. Um, now, as for draft selection... 
Uh, kind of the beginning of the season, we were sort of, t- it could be a first rounder, end of the first round. And then he starts playing week in, week out. And we're saying on a minute, he's a mid, he's a mid first round. If you remember back to the first mock draft that we did, I had him going to Indy at 22, I think. I'm sorry, but I think he's a top 10 guy. I think he's cemented himself as a top 10 guy. Um, and if you look at that top 10, there's one, one place in particular that I would love to see him at. And that's Cincinnati. I would really like to see him go be Joe Burrow's uh, go-to man uh, in the slot. Um, I think that's a position that they can improve on, definitely. Obviously, they've not had much success in that position this year with Azama missing it and, and Drew Sample not, not being good. So there's a p- position need for them at tight end. There's a position need at pass catcher because AJ Green's, you know, done and dusted um yeah t higgins looks great and tyler boyd's fine but there's there's definitely a role for him in that offense um so that's one one place i really like to see him uh but yeah they they have it carl pitts the best tight end out of college for a while um and and i'm really 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 looking forward to seeing where he falls in the draft mm. yeah i think the fit in cincinnati is nice it's Maybe they've got bigger fish to fry, though. But yeah, the fit, the fit is is really nice. Yeah, definitely. Again, like you said, there's a lot of holes in that since he mm. a team. But if you're sitting there with a game changer like Carl Pitts, and there's going to be two or three teams in that area uh, that will have the you know the cut literally Carl Pitts. It, it could be a I'm not going to use the word generational. <laughs> I kind of know you hate that word, Lee, but it, it, he's he's a game changer at the tight end position in, in receiving terms. Game changer. I'll let you. I'll let you off that one. I'll let you off that one. Rob, do you have any worry that uh, going to pan out a bit like Evan Ingram, who like great pass catcher, basically uses a receiver, but like is all too inconsistent for me. Uh, no, um, I, I will come on to Evan Ingram later because my my sleeper is actually um, my my comp is Evan Ingram. So we will talk about this. I think I think Kyle Pitts is more of an elite pass catcher his his frame is smaller than ever i think you've got to look at carl pitts as a slot receiver i don't think you can look at him as a tight end um which is why i found it hard to to compare him to other people but i think his hands are much more elite than whatever engrams were i think his consistency is much better i think his um his contested catch is as good as engrams because that's one of his strong points um, I think he's going to have success. I think he's going to have. I don't, don't think he's going to be as flighty as Evan Ingram's been in the in the in the pros. Fair enough. Yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, for sure. It'd be interesting to see if he does have year one impact because obviously tight end wise, it's not uh, it's not something that happens often, is it, Rob? As you know, as a fantasy guy. Right. But if you've seen him as a wide receiver, then you know big slots in vogue at the moment, and he can he can yeah. eat, I guess. Yeah, and this that's what I said. I think he's going to be. Um, a, a bit unique this next year because I, I, like I said, I think he's going to come in and have success in the receiving game straight away. Um, like Evan Ingram did um, mm. for, for the giants in, in year one, it's very rare uh, and predicting it is hard. Um, but just if you, if you want to see it with your own eyes, go see what he does on the field. And, and, you know, it's, I keep using that word game changer, but he is Kyle Trask would not be in the position he would be in without, Kyle Pitts that much was apparent through the whole year. Kyle Trask is a freaking good uh, quarterback who's in, you know, in with a shout of a Heisman trophy. Mm. And again, um, I'll harken back to it. If if the Heisman trophy was on talent alone um, and not necessarily a, 
position talent. Um, I think Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts would, would definitely be very close to winning it. And if Kyle Trask does go on it, it'll be a big reason for it. As you mentioned, mm. they've enhanced each other's yes, seasons. Definitely. Yeah, in terms of um, going back to the point about where he can go, I think he's in quite a good position in that I don't think uh, too many teams are going to take him to kind of just just give him as much work as possible. I think he is going to be able to ease into an offence. And I think that's exactly what he needs. I, I think I've thought about um, a couple of teams. One team that comes to mind, I think that fits quite well is Carolina Panthers as a team that I keep thinking about that I'd love to see him go to because I think that they've got so many other places on people on that offence that they can rely on, can just ease him in. And I think that's that's what he needs. He doesn't need a, a workload as, as soon as possible, which is in a way where Engram and the Giants didn't work out. Um, there's going to be pro coaches like offensive coordinators that are going to just are going to be rubbing their hands together about working with Kyle Pitts because the biggest thing about him is that he's still not near his ceiling there's like so much that can be more that can be coached out of him there's more he, he can build himself up a little bit more if he needs to if he if an offense wants him to be physical um there's uh yeah the ceiling is is uh is high with him even higher than the the quality that he brings right now and I think that's huge Mm, yeah, it's, it does. I'm just looking at the draft order here. Panthers sitting at four. I know Rob, you mentioned before the Bengals at three. I don't know if it's a bit too early. I know we've seen tight ends oh. kind of have a bit of a rise. I'm looking at the Cowboys at number eight and thinking, yeah. I know they got to look CD Lamb last year and it was a bit of a luxury pick, but you have Dak Prescott obviously coming off a big injury. He was playing really, really well. And do you just want to load up that offense and play with, with Pitts, Lamb? Probably not going to be able to keep Mary Cooper around for too much longer and just blow the doors off everyone like Flight Florida have been this season. Potentially, um, it would it would kill the full 10 yards mantra with always it Jarwin. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we should mention this to, to Tim. Um, but yeah, I, I hope not from a fancy perspective because it'll be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm, um, mm, definitely. But I think for a career move, it'd be fantastic for Pitts. I, I didn't realise the Panthers had slipped up so much that they're currently sitting with the fourth pick but um they'll be just using them as an example they can trade down four or yeah, five sure. places and still get pits i don't think pits is a top six pick but i can see somebody as high as the kind of eight to twelve range taking him yeah i'd agree there i'd agree there any more for any more? I know we've talked about Kyle Pitts a lot. We've got a couple of guys amongst us that we don't really like too much, so I don't mind it. <laughs> but any more for any more on Kyle Pitts before we move on? Go on oh, oh, yeah, just just quickly <laughs> going. It's it's weird. He's, uh, either one of those teams, like we just said, Cincinnati. I didn't realize like Liam did that Cincinnati are actually drafted third at the moment. That's that's nuts. I thought they were about sixth or seventh. Um, but yeah, it's, they can trade back because looking at that sort of seven to. 13 at the moment you've got philadelphia who obviously got two tight ends dallas we just spoke about the Chargers have got henry giants have got engram detroit have got hawkinson san francisco have got um kittle denver have got fans 
So that group are kind of sorted for tight end, probably got bigger needs. So I don't know whether they will go that pocket. So he'll either go before or he'll go trade, like a maybe a trade back from one of the two teams we just mentioned, or he'll go after 13, potentially to Minnesota. Um, New England, obviously, uh, would be a, a, a slot because if they can get a quarterback there. But yeah, so I think maybe um, look revised after this weekend of the, of the mix-up with the... Um, with the the new um, um, order, it looks like maybe from sort of twelve or thirteen to nineteen could be his position to go. Well, I was just going to say he's going to be uh, definitely going to go to the Patriots and then plague me. Um, she just <laughs> just screams Patriots to me. It has done since day one. Um, yeah, Jarrett Stidham, maybe James Winston in the Patriots could see it. Could see it. Uh, and it will just plague me for the next 20 years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move let's move on from that before we get too much talk of blind quarterbacks in the in the podcast <laughs> Liam go and finish off on Kyle Pitts <laughs> gonna, I'm going to settle Andy down and think hey, he's not going to the Patriots just because of what the Patriots did in the last draft with the, they took about half the tight end class um, in the last draft Um it, what uh, Rob was saying about the draft order is a good point about um, uh, value and fit. Was people talk about why a player falls, and it's usually just in terms of of fit. You can all of those teams that Rob mentions. There's no way that they're going to um, trade down easily for somebody else that wants pits because they've got other other positions to fill. So for the reason that uh, the order Rob just read out, pits can easily fall to the the second half of the first round, and it wouldn't be such a shame. It's just down to to fit and need. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's obviously, there's still some movement to go. Obviously, we've got a couple of weeks of the NFL season to to play out. So, yeah, as we sit here, it looks uh, a little bit ropey for him. You know, if he drops past the first four or five picks, then you know, there's maybe a little bit of a slide to come. But trade is going to happen. Movements still to, still to come in the draft order. So, we'll kind of revisit this one later down the line. I feel. But um, yeah, let's keep this moving. Um, I'm not going to go next. Cause I actually quite like my guy. So let's punctuate it with the guys that we're not too sure about. Andy, come in and talk to us about uh, Charlie Kohler from uh, Iowa State. Yeah, I, I, it feels like, I, I don't know, we, we said last week we could come in and, and, and be negative about these guys, but it feels like negative is probably the, the wrong word. I can see why people like him, which is not really for me. Um, he's a redshirt junior, uh, six foot six, 257 pounds. Uh, and he's got another huge selling point in that he's only 21 and thus uh, got a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of development still to go. Uh, interestingly, he does actually fit in with what I said at the start of the podcast with that basketball background. He's actually played at quite a high level and uh, was actually in the same team as uh, Trey Young of the uh, now the Atlanta Hawks. So I uh, played on that team with him as the as the centre there. So uh, good pedigree there. Um, we'll start with the we'll start with the, the the positives about him, of course. Um, and for me, just a fantastic catch radius. Uh, you can see the appeal there immediately. It's got. Huge long arms and, and often wins those uh, matchups by just getting out and, and, and grabbing the ball uh, simply where the defensive back can't really get to it. Uh, and in the same uh, same breath, he's got very safe hands as well, so moves the chains and he's there. Um, yeah, third down specialist sort of guy, and he get, gets to his marker and makes the catch to, to move. And we saw a bit of that in the uh, championship game. Uh, on Saturday as well, where he, he was often schemed open in, in, on key downs for. Uh, Purdy to aim at, so uh, you can. I can see why people like him. I, I can also see that he's a willing blocker. 
Um, but we'll come on to the, the downsides of that uh, in a second. Um, and just one final positive for me, uh, we mentioned it last week, one of the linebackers, but very intelligent guy, uh, mechanical engineering degree. Uh, so that's, um, you know, and, and some of his interviews, again, are a bit more than the normal uh, sound bites and, uh, and reluctance to, uh, to to dig into the media there. So that's that's another upside for me. It seems like it might be a bit of a, a positional leader if he, if he does get the, uh, the the draft pick and is the, the main tight end in the room. Um, but the, the consummate just, he's definitely going to be an NFL player, don't get me wrong, but there's just something that's stopping, a couple of things that are stopping him from being like a really a good pro, a good to, uh, top prospect for me. Uh, on the blocking side of things, as I just say, he's willing to do it, but there's a lot of like whiffs on open field blocks where he gets out in front of the runner uh, and, and just loses his man or his man slides off him and makes the tackle uh, sort of way too much. Um, he's not a yards after catch threat at all. He, he's simply just quite slow. <laughs> and it's not like uh, any disparaging. If you're six foot six and 257 pounds, you're not going to be uh, running four threes, are you? But he's just quite like, he doesn't even have that like acceleration and that burst to me to really, uh, really make him really like explosive kind of player. Makes the catch, settles down, and and gets hit and goes down uh, at the first attempt. Um, I, I think his route running is is okay. Um, it lacks a bit of burst. So what I saw loads on tape was him running to his route and he just gets bumped by the linebacker and just goes off track and. You know, he obviously deviates away from his uh, away from his. God, Rob's got me at it now. Route, route. <laughs> he deviates away from his route, uh, and then um, obviously it break, the play breaks down a bit for him. So, yeah, there's there's things to work on, and, and but I just can't get past the athleticism uh, angle of it for me. He's also not really got the um, the metabolism as uh, as Kieran would say, and yeah, it doesn't look like he's really been in the weight room um, a lot. It's kind of a lot of. Uh, mass, but not doesn't look quite particularly strong and, and and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult one for me to, to see him going above the third round. Um, I think he might do based on his pass catching and ability to move the chains as a as a back end of the second round guy who's a, a bit of a project. Um, but what he has got working for him in his favour is that is that young age. Uh, he's got the the kind of six foot six frame to, to work with and he's got that basketball background and makes it we know he can work in short bursts stamina high point the ball and that sort of thing so uh, I can see why you'd like him not a big fan for myself wouldn't really want him on the Dolphins uh, at all so that's normally a, a good sign for me that he's uh, not ticking the boxes mm. he's been pretty productive got quite a few touchdowns pretty steady with his yards but just more of a red zone guy in the NFL do you think not really you know, breaking the doors open and, and being a big start for someone. That's it. Yeah, I mean, you can you can tell why he gets a lot of uh, a lot of looks. He, he, but again, that's that's the difference between college and the and the NFL. Is it, when even at the weekend against the against uh, Oklahoma, he was he was matching up against guys that were, you know, sometimes nearly a full foot shorter than him. Uh, and he's going to win those win those players. Isn't he? But like the, for me, the caliber of linebacker, the caliber of uh, like nickel corner and stuff, he's going to be coming coming up against just kind of can try and mitigate that uh, uh, that catch radius. I look at someone, I decided to harp back to the Dolphins again, I look at someone like Eric Rowe, who's been a bit of a tight end blanket. He just kind of takes that away by sticking with his man and, and, and having his eyes in the backfield. And, and, and like, you know, th- those guys are uh, dime a dozen sort of thing in the NFL. So can see where he's going to reach his limitations for me. 
Yeah, don't don't want to scout the conference by any means, but he's definitely going to cut with better athletes, isn't he, than he would do, and better def- defenders, you know, in that he's in the Big Twelve. Um, but yeah, an interesting prospect from what I've seen as well. Like I say, got a bit of production, um, but you know, we'll have a role, let's say, but not going to be tight and one for anyone um, too soon, I don't think. But yeah, you know, age is on his side, and maybe it's just a bit of puppy fat <laughs> that we've got That's there. It, with yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feels bad as well because I mean I can't talk myself, but like. <laughs> I was okay. I was like, mate, just just lift some weights, and you could be absolutely ripped. And and then I'm changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. One to watch. I'm going to punctuate um, the other guy that we don't really like that Liam's got um, by talking about Brevin Jordan from Miami, um, a guy who I actually quite like. Liked um, all season. Had him in my mind. And when we got the uh, shotguns out to take our players, I was quite happy that you guys were willing to let him fall to me. Really. Um, but yeah, 6'3", 245. So we're talking about maybe a touch undersize, but he does kind of play into his favor. And I'll come on to his, his strengths uh, and his speed when in a moment. But just taking it back to the beginning, attended Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas. So Brevin Jordan was a captain. And at his senior year, Bishop Gorman won the ninth straight Nevada title. Um, so just an absolute winner. Uh, attended a big program, attended and just had loads of success there. I think he had over a thousand yards every season and also scored a touchdown in his last game as a senior in that ninth title win. We also talk about bloodlines as well. We kind of mention this every so often as well. His dad played in the NFL, got drafted by the Falcons as well. So he's got that kind of knowledge of the league and also, um, you know, like I say, that bloodline that's moving in there. In terms of strength, as I mentioned, inline speed, massive, massive asset. He's guy, this guy's an athlete, um, especially... The way the NFL is set up right now, um, as we mentioned before, he's going to be this jumbo receiver. Although he does line up quite a lot in different spots. He lines up in line. He lines up at H-back in the backfield. He lines up on the boundary. He's got a lot of versatility to his game. He's a willing blocker, as we mentioned. I think we'll mention that quite a lot about a lot of the Titans that will we'll kind of come across because I think that is the kind of trend that we're, we're looking for in the the NFL and it, it to be fair with what I was saying before about the aspects and the of the play that I actually look for, I don't mind it so much because we are looking for those versatile guys, not just looking for these George Kittle types a lot of the time nowadays. And he's going to be a big target, you know, and especially with his athleticism, and that's going to be a mismatch nightmare in the NFL if he can become a better route runner. And I'm going to stick with route. I know we've kind of mixed that up a little bit on the episode today, but I'm going to stick with route as all the way through. Um, but we've got some weaknesses to talk about. And there are some, even though I was quite impressed with Brevin Jordan. Um, hands and catching needs to be way more consistent. He's really prone to the odd drop. And I think it's because he's a cradle catcher. He wants it to come into his body. He wants to, to kind of uh, cradle that ball as it comes into him. And it just means he bounces off his arms and his forearms quite a lot. I just feel like if he can extend his arms a little bit to the ball and get into the habit of doing that, we could be getting not a Kyle Pitts kind of player, but you know he definitely could be a light version for sure. And as much as I say that he's a good athlete and he plays quick, he doesn't have needs to just to rocket up his ass. He needs to have some more urgency in his release and some route running. Um, needs to be a bit sharp, a bit snappier. He just seems to mosey off the line a lot of the time. And um, I want to see him burst off the line because he does have that inline speed. Perhaps it comes because Miami has him on a bit of a simple route tree. He gets a lot of screens, a lot of throws in the flat, and they're asking him to use his yak ability. To, to gain yardage. Um, but yeah, in summary, I think he's shown a lot of progress throughout his college career. He went from all ACC second team in 2018 to the first team in 19, and then he got a preseason nomination this year. Uh, 
yeah, four-star recruit out of uh, Nevada, as I mentioned before. And just for reference, in that class, Kyle Pitts was fifth, and Pat Frymuth, who we're going to be talking about next, was ninth. And uh, yeah, statistical growth as well. So a player on the upward trend, um, a player that I quite like. I've got a second round grade in him as things stand, and I wouldn't mind seeing him taken day two. Um, you Rob mentioned Hunt Henry earlier. If Hunt Henry isn't able to be kept around, I wouldn't mind spending a second round pick on him, maybe. Got bigger fish to fry, perhaps, but a player that I quite like. Um, yeah, um, that's Brevin Jordan for you guys. Andy, I'll come to you first. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I just got written in, in like bold on my notes all round. Great player. I really like him. I think the kind of weaknesses that you've touched on are almost uh, schematic a bit, really, aren't they? The route running tree, like you said. And then um, the only other thing I haven't seen a lot of is like contested catchability, which is obviously mm-hmm. a big thing for tight ends in the NFL. But again, that's because he's often schemed wide open um, and just looks fantastic in, in space as well. 16 yards, uh, the catch and touchdown every six receptions. So uh, productive as well this season. Big fan. Um, yeah, could, could quite happily uh, see him right at the bottom of the, the first if uh, someone's desperate for a tight end there. Mm. Yeah, go on, Liam. You had your hand up as well, didn't you? I think everyone did. Yeah, and he kind of touched on it. You guys probably agree as well I, I, the only knock on him is I think he can be challenged one-on-one in man coverage I think against contact which where your tight ends kind of need to be stronger it seems to me that that's kind of uh, what lets him down a little bit he's better at finding making plays when he finds the space first to work in but um, I agree I'm a big fan I think um, I think he's going to be well up in in um, my rankings and grades when I come to, to finalising it all. Yeah, I really like watching him. Mm. And Rob, yeah. did you have your... Sorry. Yeah, I agree with every, everything. Um, you've summed him up really, really nicely, actually. Um, a lot of the points I've got written down um, in, in my reports, you've, you've hit on all of them. So, yeah, so uh, so well done um, to you boys for that. Um, what I'll say is, he, for me, it's kind of the stereotypical guy that's going to take a year to get into to to it. Um, he's a guy that will, will have a, probably a solid rookie year but won't do anything flashy. Uh, it will take a while for him to to get up to speed with the blocking um, and improve that. It will get take a while for him to um, yeah that 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 route tree to expand um, and for him to you know, the contested catch was one thing that Andy said um, needs to improve. And those are the kind of things that when you sit for a year, possibly even two, and just learn the system. And Brevin Jordan is is going to do just that. I think he's got the natural ability and the talent to be successful in the NFL. I think he will be. I think he warrants a, a day two pick definitely. Um, maybe like Andy said at the end of the first round, if 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 someone likes him a bit better, a bit more. Um, but I think he'll need that time to bed in. I think he will. I think it'd be fantastic. I think it'd be a really good draft pick um, for whoever picks him up. That's a really good point, Rob. I think he's got these issues that will sort of inhibit him in year one and he needs to kind of spend that time to learn how, you know, how to catch with better technique, I feel, and maybe put a bit of weight on and block. Um, maybe, like I say, learn some route running abilities as well. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely agree there. Um, last one of our big four then. Uh, Liam, going to talk about Pat Frymuth from uh, Penn State. I am going to talk about <coughs> Penn State's Pat Frymuth. Um, to your point about in uh, liking the fact that Brevin Jordan fell to you when we were all dipsing uh, for these tight ends. I was a little bit the opposite when I realised I'd been given Pat Frymuth because I'm a little bit lower than most on him. Um, but um, I'm by no means going to sit here and say I'm going to put like around seven grade on him. He's, uh, he's um, yeah, there's loads of uh, pros with him, of course. It's just uh, 
there's a few cons that I'll, I'll come on to. Um, let's uh, let's start with uh, uh, some of like his measurements. He's six five, approximately two fifty. He's going to be one of the bigger guys um, in this tight end class, um, junior, um, and so he's had three years um, at Penn State. His best year, uh, stat wise, I think was his first year in uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, when uh, he had Trace McSorley as his quarterback. Um, the kind of, the stats have kind of, um, I, they haven't dropped hugely uh, since then, but uh, that's certainly like uh, his best year this season, though he was putting up uh, numbers that are quite close, although just one touchdown um, this year. Um, he did uh, break Penn State's uh, record for touchdowns uh, by a tight end, a uh, record held by guy we've already mentioned uh, Mike Gizecki now of the Dolphins. Um, he wears number 87 and is compared to uh, Rob Gronkowski. In fact, his nickname uh, is Baby Gronk when he first joined the school. I think that's probably where I started to kind of feel a little bit unsure about him because straight away that kind of um, that kind of puts a mark next to him, doesn't it? And uh, it's interesting because um, I think he's got a ways to go since he, he can build uh to that kind of uh, height. Um, but he is, um, I'll go through some pros. Uh, he is uh, a good athlete, um, good athletic ability. He can uh, go up high, uh, make catches if he needs to. He's uh, got uh, good acceleration for his size. Um, like we were talking about earlier with what we like to watch um, at the tight end position, um, what the NFL will like is that Penn State lines him up in various positions, line him up away from the line of scrimmage, line him up in the slot. Um, they really play to his size. He's got really nice hands. He does catch really well. And uh, he'll catch well in traffic. Uh, the smaller uh, secondary players uh, really find him a challenge to cover, um, especially um, trying to tackle him cleanly and bring him down. Some uh, cons on him. He just looks a little bit slow to me. He doesn't seem to have uh, gears to go through after the catch. Um, the, the kind of way that others in the class do and what you kind of want to see from a tight end nowadays. Um, through his routes, he can move quite slowly again through his routes. Um, I think there's better blockers in this tight end class as well, um, especially in run blocking. He can look a bit awkward um, trying to run block. Um, it feels like there, he should be a bit more reliable as a target man. It's obviously... Um, how Penn State like to uh, to use him um, as their go-to guy. He does. I've seen him um, in games that he can make plays on things like third down when he needs to. But there's just a little bit of unreliability there for me. Um, I think his uh, I think his stats reflect this. I think that his stats can be a lot better. Like I said, only one touchdown this season. Um, it, the good news I think for him for, um, is that. Uh, there is further upside to be had. Um, there's loads to work with, uh, with him for coaches at the next level. Um, and I think that he will probably find a home on day two. Um, I would be surprised if he goes in the first round, although some people think he has the potential to do so. Um, and so, yeah, I'm most likely going to have his A2 grade on him, where he's, he's where he will probably fall. Yeah, it all starts with this baby grunk nickname, doesn't it? <laughs> it's one of these things that's got leveled at so many tight ends now. Well, yeah, I, I guess it does get 
I guess it does get leveled at, at others, but um, yeah, running around with number eighty-seven on and calling yourself Baby Gronk is uh, <laughs> for when for a freshman as well. That was a a little bit rich for me. Um, and you know, we were talking about um, the increase in production with some of these guys, and he is kind of it isn't uh, the production isn't increasing with him and. Um, I think even coming into this year, I think I would have wanted to see a few more touchdowns from him, but just the one this year. Um, not that he's kind of dropping too many, and I, but I think Penn State are kind of, I mean, it's been a tough season for them, but um, I think that there was a lot more to be had from him production-wise this year. I was going to say, with you talking about this season being a bit down, do you think that's indicative of the season that Penn State have had? I guess you can answer that question just there, though. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to um, to criticize him for it when they've had a tough year. And uh, like I say, he's not by no means like a, a drop merchant who uh, is keeps being targeted and, and not producing. It is. It's he's had a tough year because the offense has had a tough year. Hmm. So overall, then, it brings us to the end of our four main tight ends. Pretty lukewarm on this class as a whole, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I guess that reaction. Want to, I didn't want to just. Oh, I'm thinking in terms of my guy, and I did, again, I didn't want to just kind of, uh, you know, just go. I think we've put got the boot into Fryermuth, but um, yeah, I think, like I say, indicative of the class. I think Firemuth fits in nicely to uh, the kind of sort of the other three that we've discussed as um, not particularly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here now? Um, not, you know, not not particularly glamorous. Like they're not putting up thousand yard seasons. They're sort of slow burners that are good at the position. They're good at their jobs. They've each got their sort of more strengths and weaknesses, but, Translation to the NFL, we'll, we, you know, we'll, it's going to be wait to see. I think we all agree that Carl Pitts is by far and away the number one in this group and is most NFL ready, quote, 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 and NFL ready. Um, the other three will be interesting to see how they develop next year in the NFL. Um, but the prolific, that's the word I was looking for. The, these guys, they're not prolific, but they're good at their jobs. Um you know, like Frymouth, like you said, not been over 507 yards in a season, not had over eight touchdowns. It's not like your flashy thousand yard, 20 touchdown guy like Carl Pitts is, but he does a really good job, very athletic. And what he does is is good. Um, but I can certainly see why there are concerns concerns there um, for Frymouth. Yeah. The, the good news is that there's... Um... There is room for growth, and and he 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 can catch, and he can he can stretch out and bring it in with one yeah. hand if he needs to. And yeah. there's kind of the those the like the, as the saying goes, the things that you can't teach with him yeah. are good, and that that is and uh, that is a positive. And going yeah. to an offense where there's uh, like a solid wide receiver players that that can make up those yards and be like to your point, the Kyle Pitts type to be targeted mm. more often, and then for him to then contribute where he can. That he'll fit really well into an offense like that, and I think the the better news is that Max Meyer is the true baby Gronk of the uh, of college 
college football uh, freshman in Notre Dame. <laughs> Liam's disgusted with that, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> and after him, there'll be somebody else that puts on the 87 jersey. And... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for sure. So lacking star power, which might mean that uh, some good players lie amongst our sleepers that we're going to talk about right now. So yeah, they've got the sleepers now and one just one each. Again, I think we've kind of discussed this discreetly and I don't think we've got anyone who's kind of got on the same sleeper. So we should have four sleepers for you guys. And um, yeah, we might find a, a diamond in the rough amongst us. Um, Liam, I know you wanted to kind of get yours out first because you were really <laughs> worried that someone might have yours. So why don't you start us off? Yeah, I can. I'll, I'll start off. I, my, uh, my sleeper is Matt Bushman from BYU. Um, a guy that I think 12 months ago um, we'd be talking about as uh, as one of the there's probably higher up in the the tight end class, um, mainly because uh, he was uh, as good a an option on that offense for BYU as they had last year for a uh, a young quarterback uh, by the name of Zach Wilson who has now made uh, his name this season. Uh, without him and uh, made his name without him because unfortunately he did choose to come back uh, for this year, which BYU um, thought was brilliant news until he um, ruptured his Achilles preseason. And uh, so he's now not played for uh, until last season. Um, again, I'll start off with uh, like uh, some measurements. He's 6'5", approximately 245 pounds. So another big guy um, at the tight end. Um, position um, at uh, BYU, as is uh, the prerogative of students at that school, he completed his mission trip, uh, which uh, this means it's, it's taken uh, uh, some of his time up as uh, as a student there. So it means that he's an older prospect. He will um, be 25 this year, um, entering the draft. Um, and uh, as I say, you kind of have to go from uh, last year because of his injury and how highly regarded he was last year. Um, I think BYU, um, yeah, I think they've missed him as good a season as they've had. I think um, I think he would have really made a, a really made a difference offensively for them this season. Um, uh, really good, uh, strong hands, um, and kind of. Strong hands against contact and soft hands as well when you need to bring in. In fact, I think he, uh, the stat is that he's only had two drops um, in his uh, career in college. In fact, I think uh, I read some of his uh, nickname given to him was Honey Hands um, because of his his hands. Um, really big uh, catch radius given his height as well. And he really likes to challenge um, against contact, really can bring the ball in. Um, nice route runner, um, can find open space over the middle. Um, more with uh, the, his smarts in, in his route running uh, rather than speed. Um, a really good character as well. Um, good character, a good teammate um, by all accounts. One of the leaders on that offense. Um, I found something that said that it really kind of uh, sucked a bit of the wind out of the start of BYU season when he got hurt um, because of how highly valued he was. Um, some Cons on him. The the big con, as I've already mentioned, I suppose, is his age. Um, being a 25 year old when you enter the draft means that there's quite a low ceiling. Uh, you kind of um, you're kind of getting what you're seeing with him, and there's not much more 
uh, to work with. Uh, speed, again, certainly not his forte. He he wins through his routes um, with his smart route running. And he, he is a good route runner, um, but he's not a fast route runner. Um, and uh, given his size, he does struggle um, against physicality, um, which is a bit of a con uh, for a tight end his size. So he can be jammed out of his routes. Um, more strength is needed when he blocks um, although he does create space uh, in run blocking, um, BYU had some good uh, running backs in his time there. Um, but uh, given how highly regarded he was this time last year, um, I was really looking forward to seeing him play this year. So uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on for sure uh, coming up in this draft. Um, I think he's going to go anywhere between beginning of round three and round seven. He's one of those guys that depending on how all it needs is one or two teams to like what they see. And he could even sneak into day two, um, but um, definitely a real sleeper in this draft. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. He's a guy I looked at actually. I'm glad I didn't pick him now that you, um, you've you given him such a good rundown. Um, kind of physically quite similar to Primary, who you've obviously just been talking about. And um, production wise, pretty similar as well, but not similar players by the sounds of things in, in some regards. Yeah, um, I know that I've already joked about being down on Frymouth, but yeah, he's a, a better prospect um, than Bushman. But Bushman does have, mm. he will have suitors. There will be, I'm sure that there'll be people that have um, made notes on him by the end of round three and sorry, round three into day three. Um, I think there'll be plenty of teams that have him uh, penciled in for for that area of the draft. Mm. Yeah, especially in, as we said before, a pretty weak tight end group as on the whole as well. So, yeah, definitely going to have some suitors there. Um, I'm going to come in actually with mine. It's like quite a nice segue because I'm staying in the state of Utah. Actually, I'm going to um, go to the Utah Utes. And they've got a quite a good pair in at tight end, actually. But I'm going to talk about Brant Keithy, who hasn't actually been a tight end for very long. He's not a tight end body. I mean, I know we've talked about all sorts of body shapes and body types as we've gone through this episode because... You do get Titans in all shapes and sizes nowadays, don't you? But I've got uh, Keithy measuring off at 6'2", 235. Um, so, yeah, very, very small for a Titan. Not really a Titan in the way he's used a, a great deal either. But, yeah, Utah moving around a heck of a lot. So he's going to be a really versatile piece, which when you're looking at a day three guy, end of the roster guy for me is something that you, you're kind of looking for and that's going to keep him on the roster for, for years, I think. Um, he plays out wide, he plays in line, lines up in the backfield, sometimes uses at fullback. Um, which, you know, used to be where he actually used to play full-time, used to be in, in the backfield as a running back before he moved to tight end um, full-time at Utah. Um, was recruited as an athlete, as you see a lot of the time, with these high school players out of Texas um, before he got moved to, uh, sorry, moved to tight end by Utah. Um, scored nine touchdowns, so quite productive in 2019, not had the production this year, but I just thought it was quite a nice split just talking about this versatile and diverse background that he's got because he's got six through the end, three on the ground. Um, so, yeah, he can do it all a little bit. Obviously, not a, not talking about high-end prospect, but talking about useful prospects, I think. In terms of pros, from a physical point of view, I think he's a really good mover. I think you can see that running back in him. Um, I feel like he's really good in the open field. Roots could be a sharper. Um, obviously not running too many of those as a running back. Um, but he also, I feel like he can, you know, he's a good mover when he's searching blocks as well, can kind of seek people out and kind of latch onto them. Although he does lack power, obviously being that smaller kind of guy. Um, yeah, so I think there's a bit of a mixture, there's a bit of a learning, a bit of growth to be done as a tight end. 
um, proper, you know, because I think he's still trying to work that running back out of him. As I said before, came out of Texas, um, was a three-star recruit and got a lot of offers actually from group of five schools. Um, wasn't short of offers at all. Originally committed to Rice, um, who's obviously based in Houston. Uh, Keith is from just outside of Houston, so that would have kept him in his hometown pretty much. Uh, but decommitted once he got an official visit to Utah under his belt. Obviously, he was sold on them. And that was only one of three Power 5 offers uh, that he got. The others were Iowa State and Colorado. So, um, yeah, it's kind of the sort of indicative of these kind of players that you've got out here. And, and he's kind of obviously picked the best one out of them, I feel like that. And uh, so, yeah, back to the playing side of things. I think at this point, he's a tight end three with some special teams value. Like I say, these guys are going to stick on the end of the roster. Um, he's a short tight end, so he'll be a, he'll be a utility player. He's not going to be a proper, quote-unquote, traditional tight end. A little bit of a mixture of everything, as I mentioned. But I think he can, I think he can add value. I think he's a, a player that a creative, offensive mind would get a little bit out of with these movement skills. And um, he can also catch the football as well, using some diverse situations, some different downs and distances. Um, but yeah, an interesting player, really, really interesting player. I've had my eye on, obviously, keeping an eye on the Pac-12 this season, but um, different, I think, is, is one word that sticks out to me because he's not a tight end in body shape at all. I'll come to you, Rob, I'll come to you next for your sleeper then, moving on from Keithy to, to your guy. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to speak about a guy that's really not being mentioned at the moment um, in anywhere on the internet, but he's having a really good a good career, college career. And that's Kylan Granson, uh, tight end from Southern Methodist University, SMU. Um, originally was committed and played two seasons uh, for Rice before uh, transferring and becoming a, a redshirt Um so a redshirt junior at SMU. Um, and similar to what you were just saying there, Lee, he actually he did play a bit of fullback uh, for Rice, not too much, not as much as, as your guy. Um, but he's got that sort of a bit about him. He can play as a fullback if needs be, but he's actually really impressed as a receiver um, for SMU, you know, since he's been there. Um, he got 721 yards um, last season and 536 yards this season, um, which uh, is, um, just pulling up my notes here, um, an average of 58 yards per game over the two years for SMU. So he's productive in the passing game for a college who are pretty good as a group of five. Um, sort of one of these teams, uh, not quite as good as Cincinnati or probably UCF, but one of those teams that are up there um, had a couple of good back-to-back seasons now um, and are kind of on the radar. A couple of really good players, uh, Shane Bouchard, quarterback, and Reggie Roberson is an exciting wide receiver who unfortunately uh, had an injury this year, which Kyle Granson did benefit from in the end because he uh, got a lot of yards uh, and was kind of the go-to guy for Bouchard. Um, 6'3", And I'll bring it back to the point that I spoke to Andy about earlier. He's a bit like Evan Ingram. He's built very similarly. Evan Ingram, 6'3", 240. So if you can imagine this, the frame of Evan Ingram and also the style as well, he's, a, he's mainly a pass catching back that can dabble in the in the pass blocking as well. Um, but he's a kind of guy that gets really good separation. Um, he, he, he's got a solid route tree. So again, very similar to, to Evan Engram. Obviously, Evan Engram was a first round pick. So the talent level was slightly higher. Um, but he, this guy, uh, Kylan Granson, is, I say I've seen a couple of mocks that have got him going um, early seventh. Um, but he's really not being spoke about much. Now, he has just got an invite to the senior bowl. Um, so that gives you a bit of an indication of, of you know, he is in 
unprecedented in college football. So I'm surprised he's not on as many radars as he is. Um, flicking through Google just to see some rumors, and you see that uh, the, uh, there's a Cowboys page that are interested, and there's some Browns chatter as well, but the Browns don't need any more tight ends. Um, but yeah, he's a kind of guy that is used in the passing game. He's, he's, he's not anywhere near polished he'll be green he'll be one of these guys that will need a year to to learn nfl but he's going to be picked up super late in drafts um possibly not as an undrafted free agent um and he's going to be one of these guys that you have to keep tabs on um that could you know like the guy at browns is it um harrison bryant is that is that the guy i'm thinking of right now who's again a very late draft pick i think um don't quite mind that don't tell me it was like a first round pick last year or something (laughs) i think he was a late pick and he's the kind of guy like that who can sit behind another tight end and learn um and and be productive i think he's got a good future ahead of him i really do but he's got to get picked up um uh, but yeah very exciting to watch watching his highlight tape um kind of guy that definitely dynamic in the passing game um and like i said creating separation is very um um evan engram-esque um and i definitely drew some comparisons when i watched his tape earlier today yeah senior senior ball will definitely help his calls for sure yeah yeah so yeah that's what i mean i'm surprised he's not on other radars and i'm surprised in other mock drafts that i'm looking at he's not not even being sort of mentioned mm-hmm. um because you know it's not every day you, you know you get you know, uh, put in a senior bowl yeah it's a big honor isn't it for, the, for mm. these guys especially you know the sort of level of guys that we're talking about you know group five kind of knocked about in conference usa obviously with rice before that and you're looking for a big spotlight to be shown on those guys you know amongst high level of competition and we've seen it you know work out for a lot of guys going there and the other bowl games as well which i don't think we're getting sorry the other all-star games not bowl games uh, which I don't think we're getting because of COVID and a couple of occasions, which is which is bad. But um, mm. yeah, I'm sure we'll get some some nice rough diamonds got picked out, and um, one of these yeah. guys will hopefully be one of them. Yeah, well, just 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 quickly, just a final uh, mention. He was considering going back because obviously the NCAA have have got this rule now with, with with COVID that everyone's eligible for another season if they wish, and he was considering it, but. Since he's been called up to the senior bowl, I think now he realizes that he's probably got some NFL appeal. So I think he's going to go in um, to the draft this year, which is interesting to learn that bit of information is, is enough for him to sort of turn his um, turn himself into a draft prospect rather than going back for another year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think you bang on there. To be honest with you, it's a like I say showcase event, isn't it? Lots of lots of draft uh, prospects have done themselves a world of good yep. by going out there and performing. Yep. Andy, you're going to finish us off then uh, with the last last sleeper of ours on the tight end group. Yeah, and another uh, senior bowl invitee who I've only just clocked as a senior bowl invitee. Um, and this guy's like uh, pure projection, uh, not a lot of production uh, so far. And that's mainly because uh, he's been at my uh, Florida State Seminoles for three years and before transferring to Georgia this year. That's Trey McKitty, who... Um, has only uh, caught 600 yards worth of passes in his uh, last three years and uh, three touchdowns in that time. But surprisingly, the main uh, main bit that stands out on tape for me uh, is his wide receiver skills, really. Uh, fantastic hands, very good route runner, um, and he's comfortable on the outside as well. You've just got to look at one um, uh, well, my. I remember this player watching it live for FSU as well. Lovely wheel route down the down the sideline and just uh, you know 
jumping up and grabbing the ball above the above the defensive back and coming down and and then putting on some yards after the catch as well. He's re, he's he's good at the um, yards after the catch element. He's quick and the safe hands meant that when he was at FSU, he was a chain mover. Um, and they probably underutilised him. There's a lot of like shovel passes and screens and stuff to, to just get that ball moving uh, when the FSU offensive line was breaking down, especially with uh, Alex Hornibrook at quarterback uh, for, for a while last season as well. Um, what's really interesting for me is his intelligence in the passing game, recognises the blitz, gets his head round, makes the catch and offers the option straight away, reads the zone coverage, finds space, sits down in it, makes the catch. Um and what I really like is is in, is in the blocking game at the second level, something I kind of picked out on Kolar earlier, uh, this guy gets down and really drives his opponents forward and, and frees up the run game there. Um, the, the the kind of weakness for me here is production. Um, he's only 108 yards and uh, on the, a touchdown for Georgia this year after the transfer, but did miss the first couple of games of the season and obviously been a weird season all round, so I'm not really going to hold him that against him. And then I'm also not going to hold against him the fact that he had just like some trash cans throwing him the ball at FSU for a while. Um, to be honest, he looked really good when he first, when he was a freshman and a sophomore with uh, DeAndre Francois, uh, who was probably the, the best quarterback we've seen at FSU for a while, just to show him he was a bit of a head case. Uh, that was proper Kieran of me, wasn't it? I should probably rein myself in a bit there, but he was a head case um, and uh, obviously got chucked out of the programme. But he, he got the ball to McKitty really well. And I, was, I honestly used to think you know, big things. He was going early round sort of job. So he's obviously fallen down the the, the, the pecking order on that. Um, not the best blocker at the line of scrimmage. Uh, poor hand placement. You get a lot of um, kind of edge rushers or linebackers getting their hands into his chest and moving him out of the way. Uh, so that needs to be stepped up and improved. And the kind of, the, the, the bit where I've, I've spoke to you guys about like intelligence and, and like stepping up to the camera and that sort of stuff and, and that attitude. This was a problem at FSU last year. And I think half the reason why he was, uh, there wasn't really much of a fight to keep him at FSU when he was transferred to Georgia was that you could, you could evidently see the effort levels dropping as the games uh, progressed but <laughs> it's really difficult to hold that against someone when it's just such a trash offence last year and, and you can kind of see his frustration playing out in the field so um, I, I think there's a sleeper pick here sixth seventh round sort of guy who doesn't have the production but does have the assets that we've been talking about he's he's quicker than the likes of Colo and Framouth that we spoke about earlier um, he's got very good hands uh, and the kind of tape when you watch it it's actually really good. It's just not a lot of it. So, uh, yeah, another guy going to the senior bowl. I think he's going to uh, really push his case here and someone's going to get a steal late in the draft and we could see a, a developmental player who ends up a tight end one at some point. Interesting. Yeah, obviously, you know, a player that you've obviously watched personally quite a lot. So it's interesting to get your point of view as a Kaka fan as well. Good, good for him to get in the senior bowl by the sound of things. You know, I was just looking at his stats as you're going through and like you say, there's not a lot of production there. Kind of reminds me of Dawson Knox a couple of years ago. Obviously, he's making himself a pretty decent tight end up in Buffalo, but he had 39 catches and no touchdowns in college at Ole Miss. You know, playing on the offense with uh, AJ Brown, Liam's cousin, and DK Metcalf as well. So it's, um, yeah, you've got these guys that sometimes just don't get the ball because of other things. You know, for, for, for Dawson Knox, obviously, it was the other guys in the offense for 
McKitty, it could be, like you say, the, the offense as a whole just not being productive. But yeah, he'll get another chance, as we've been mentioning with Granson, he'll get a chance to showcase himself. Um, not only, you know, the game itself, but also the whole week, you know, working in front of these coaches from the NFL. Obviously, you get two coaches going down there, two coaching staffs, and obviously loads of scouts there as well, which I'm sure they'll try and get as many of those guys in there as well, and GMs too. Um, so yeah, no interesting shout, especially like you say, from, to get from a, a fan's point of view. Yeah, no, no I, I, the, the four guys we've talked about, for me, are just kind of more exciting than, apart from Pitts aside and actually like Jordan, but the, the two guys we were down on, I mean, I was more excited watching uh, McKitty's take back. It just reminded me of uh, like the first, that, that kind of optimism around Francois and that offence and then obviously things tanked from there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there we have it. Um, eight tight ends for you um, to look at. Like we say, we don't think it's the greatest class. Obviously, we might get some surprises that come out. Got one guy that's king of the hill, really, in terms of the tight end group, and everyone else is kind of lagging behind somewhat. Um, but yeah, let us know. If you've got tight end that we need to watch, let us know, because we're doing a lot of draft work now, obviously, with these scouting podcasts and a big project that we've got surrounding the draft uh, that we'll be kind of bring to you later next year. Um, but yeah, that'll do us for this episode. Um, this will be the tight end episode of the Full Time Yard Scouting Podcast. We'll see you next week. We're going to be talking about the ball games and then. Next week, um, well, what position are we going to, actually? We, we always mention at the end of the episode, what do we want to do? Flipping back over to defence, what are we doing? Safety. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's go to the secondary. So, safe. Yeah, cool. let's go to the guys that are going to be covering the tight ends, go to the safeties. <laughs> yeah, nice little link, actually, there, Liam. Yeah. yeah, we'll do some safeties next week. So, there you have it. Uh, bowl games and safety chat on the two podcasts next week. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.